You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, welcome to Utavia. Stephen Chicken here, joined down the line, as ever, by Optus David Hartrick. How are you doing, Optus David Hartrick? I am doing fine, Daily Examiners, Stephen Chicken. Glad to hear it. Yeah, we've got a game to talk about here, Dave. Um, mm. Blackburn Rovers 5, Huddersfield Town 2. Um, it wasn't good. <laughs> Not by any stretch. <laughs> no, it, it wasn't, and... I'm going to go slightly off-piste here and I'm going to make you panic right from the off because you don't know I'm going to do this. But like nobody who's listening to this doesn't know the score or doesn't know how the game went. And I'm just going to say right up front that I'm going to make a bit of a defence for you, Stephen, um, because one or two people have uh, accused you on social media and accused me of suddenly being Carlos out. Uh, somebody even said to me it was incredibly unhelpful to be anything less than positive. We're just we're just truthful. We're being completely analytical. And before we really get into the game and some of the issues with the game, it's worth saying neither of us are Carlos out. We literally said on the last podcast that we both think he should stay till summer, face the review, and then they need to recruit to his model so that if they're going to commit to this, they can properly go forward with it. So I think it's a little bit unfair that a few people have turned round after you did an excellent match reaction piece where you said there was questions to answer about the manager and about the recruitment, not just the manager. And then your superb five conclusions yesterday, which, to be frank, we could just read your five conclusions out on this match, um, where you went into the match itself and to the wider problems. I think it's incredibly unfair for the the people who've turned round and said, you are Carlos out or I am Carlos out, because we're not, we're just being brutally analytical. And speaking of which, let's get into this game. <laughs> yeah, I think those are the minority, to be fair. I think a lot of people, it, it seemed to resonate with a lot of people and... We've we've sort of mounted that as you mentioned there we've mounted the defence of Carlos Corbran and his position previously. I think my sort of my stance before Blackburn was well you take that first half of the season and you say that's what he can do with a fully fit squad with players that he wants. It's the second eleven that need recruiting for. They need better backup options so that if there's injuries they have cover and um, the hope is that if he can get his you know a fully fit team and better backup options then you can start next season the way they. They started this season. I don't think that logic was was hugely flawed, except that against Blackburn, this is why Blackburn was a bit of a turning point for me, because that was a strong side he had out there. And I know a lot of them are playing their way back to fitness. So, you know, it was Carol Lighting's first start since uh, since January. It was Josh Caroma's, what was that, his second start. Um, and he, you know, he obviously got the goal late on. It was Harry Toffolo's second game in, in over two months. Pippa's obviously been struggling with an injury. So there were, you know, knocks and niggles and, you know, bumps and bruises and players not at 100% and not at, at full confidence. But even with all of those caveats, that was <laughs> that was completely abysmal. I thought that performance was as bad as the 7-0 against Norwich um, because Blackburn are not Norwich and they tore town open like they were one of the best teams in the division and we know that they are an incredibly potent attacking force um, we know that, that Blackburn scored a huge number of goals up until about February when, when the wheels sort of fell off their season and they've they've been worse than town since, since February but the reason they've been worse than town since February is because everyone else has sussed them out everyone, everyone else had worked out oh okay Blackburn love to play on the counter they they love it when teams come at them so that they can just get up the field quickly and 
you know, and and do what they did to town, just tear through them, get past the midfield and past the defence with a couple of quick passes because they've got some good forwards there who, who love playing in behind. But it wasn't just that town made it easy for them on top of that as well. They gifted them other goals that were nothing to do with how Blackburn were playing. It was yeah. all about town just being dreadful. And when you have a, a strong side doing that against an opposition that, let's be honest, are very beatable. You know, Blackburn, as I say, have been the worst team, apart from Bristol City in the division, since February over the last sort of, you know, six to eight weeks. So for Town to have put in a display that was that bad against a team that is as flawed as Town, I thought was a bit of a disgrace, to be honest. Yeah, and there's I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that, Steve. And we'll go into it and we will talk a little bit about the game plan and analyse it properly but I think there's been you don't the thing is you haven't spent as much time on social media because you're a far more healthy individual than I am but there has been a bit of a schism between a lot of people who are adamant it is just recruitment and if you say anything about Corbyn's management then you know that is completely wrong this this game wasn't about recruitment and it is absolutely you know Carlos Corbyn has to face the criticism that everybody else in the club faces and we have criticized on this podcast recruitment we've criticized Phil we've defended Phil we've defended aspects of recruitment we are just completely analytical with each you know from game to game and here I think they, I think Corbyn picked the wrong team, if I'm honest, because I think if you are going to play the way he wanted to play and have Pippa and Toffolo high, you can't have Keo and Sarr as your centre back no, pairing. No, should have been Ramani should have been playing. Yeah, because the, the the lack of the lack of of speed, the lack of pace, absolutely killed them. And I think you're exactly right. The the thing everybody knows about Blackburn is that Blackburn want to play as the away side in every game. They that what they want to do is exactly what they did to Town. Town had nearly sixty percent possession yeah. and lost five two. And that's because Blackburn all they wanted to do was basically draw them on as high as possible and then break into the spaces behind. And like the the second goal was basically the perfect execution of Blackburn's plan of what they wanted to do which is win the ball swift ball into midfield round the corner and Sam Gallagher suddenly got 40 yards of space in front of him so you you can't like when you're not a cheerleader Steve you're a journalist and I'm an analyst we can't ignore that really but we should properly get into the game really shouldn't we we should and I think I thought about this a lot I think it does the first goal is, let's be honest, a massive goalkeeping howler um, from Ryan Schofield. And it's unfortunately the exact problem that we've talked about with him since he's come into the team, which is balls into the six-yard box. He is not confident with them. And it's I feel for him in a lot of ways because we know that he can do it. We've seen games where he's taken every cross pretty confidently and you sort of you take your intake of breath when you see balls like that go into the box but he had a spell where he was dealing with those balls confidently and you stopped worrying about him he had a bad game against Barnsley well he had a good game against Barnsley until the town went went behind and then he I think we noted on the podcast last week had a bit of a a wobble for 10 or 15 minutes and was was flapping at everything and he continued that into this game unfortunately and I think a lot it seems to me that that is confidence because we know he's physically capable of doing it but he just isn't confident with it um and then Janino Bakuna doesn't help as you pointed out Bakuna will not challenge for headers at this stage he he it's the second game in a row where he he should go in with his head and he just sort of flaps a foot in the direction of the ball and I watched him after that for the rest of the first half to see if he was going to challenge for any headers and he you know he, he was yeah he didn't basically he was he was pulling out of 50 50s and just sort of you know would rather watch them than challenge for them um but I mean, but you see, there, there again is another is another point where we can't ignore the fact that there was three actual wingers on the bench. This is it, yeah. <laughs> Bakuna was picked on the wing, on the left wing, and again, that's weird. I thought it was really odd that he played Karoma on the right and Bakuna on the left. 
um, yeah. when we know that Karoma's best position is on the left, and that's where he eventually, of course, when he moved across there, got his goal from. I thought it was bizarre to pick um, to leave Rowe, Thomas, and Aaron's on the, and we don't know what the fitness, you know, what the condition is of those players, but to leave those three on the bench and pick Bakuna, who is not a winger, to play on the wing, and then to play to accommodate that, you play Josh Karoma on his wrong side, on his weaker side. I thought that was really, really weird weird um but i mean putting all that to, to one side we need to talk about ryan schofield and his part in that goal because it is increasingly an issue and you and i have, have sat here and defended him and said look he's a young keeper he's learning and i, I think i still feel that way but you you would expect a go- when i looked at it last season because people were talking about similar issue with camille grabara you would expect a championship, an average championship keeper to make between three and six errors leading to goals per season, and he's made two in one game here. Um, it was a nightmare for him, wasn't it? Yeah, I I will defend him more than some because I I honestly think with Ryan Schofield at this point in his career, there's very few championship level goalkeepers that come through playing in the championship. You know, most are loaned to a far lower level. And come back a lot more, you know, a lot more ready. Um, And I think he physically, he's got a little way to go as well to sort of bulk up and really feel like he can come through a couple of strikers and claim the ball. Which they had him, they had him last year. He was, if you remember, sort of throughout sort of December, January Um, last season, the Cowleys had him off the bench because he was concentrating on a physical regimen, basically, trying to bulk up. And they said, rather than on a match day, have you on the bench, we would rather you. you know, be in the gym basically, and um, they it's he 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 then he the idea last season they sent him on loan to Livingston to get that experience, and then he got injured in his first game. He played a friendly in the, the winter break they have in Scotland, and rather than wait two weeks for him to come back, they signed another keeper on loan from Rangers, and he basically didn't play. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I think he is going to make errors. I think there could be a good goalkeeper there longer term. But when the corner comes in, the sort of really the the really disappointing thing and the thing I I can't mount any defence for was he wasn't under the sort of pressure that Barnsley were putting him under because Barnsley's corners the strategy was basically to hang it under the crossbar and and get two people round him. It was just genuinely uh, just a really poor mistake. It was like the he didn't. I think he sort of misjudged the pace of the ball, Steve. Mm-hmm. If which I'm was, honest, which and got seen caught before. somewhere between punching it out and catching it, and ended up doing neither, mm-hmm. basically. And when you got like Adam Armstrong, is a really, really good championship striker. I mean, there's not a championship team who wouldn't take Adam Armstrong in their squad immediately and he you know he was so good at like sniffing the danger there but I just it was just so it was it was slightly disappointing because town had actually started on the front foot they had a brilliant move I think it was third or fourth minute where O'Brien's shot went out for the corner but the actual move they'd passed through the thirds really really well and yeah. cut them open and it was like this one moment it was like puncturing the balloon they just all, all of the good work up until that point I know they were only eight minutes in but just sort of disappeared and they just withered from that point on yeah I, I think probably going behind so early probably played into Blackburn's hands because then town were pushing even further forward trying to sort of force the issue and get back into the game and that played into Blackburn's hands massively because it just meant that they were getting more and more and more chances on the counter um and you do wonder if there's another world where Schofield doesn't make that error and and Town end up sort of comfortably strolling through that game um but I mean that <laughs> we have to deal with the performance that we actually had and as I yeah. say I, I thought it was I thought it was pretty dreadful I don't think anyone came out of it terribly well with the exception of Josh Gromer who forced the own goal and then scored his own scored a goal himself late on um and I thought Carolighting did okay on the ball um but again the the town midfield just offered absolutely no resistance on the counter-attack um they just got caught again and again and as you say they had Keo and Saar back there covering either Pippa or Toffolo would go forward and you can't leave your two slowest well Keo's faster than Stearman but two of your slowest centre-backs to cover yeah. those spaces yeah they the... 
like I was I was watching on iFollow. I wasn't there on uh, Saturday, and Dunny was uh, on Cocoms with Paul Ogden, and he was going mad at just just the sort of carelessness, the amount of uh, they weren't looking after the ball town at all. They were just giving it away repeatedly. Mm. And before the second goal, there was one where Keogh just passed it basically straight to I think it was Ben Brereton, Re- um, reminiscent of Tommy Elphick at Ewood Park last season. Yeah, um, but that that. Second goal was, I mean, as I said, I've already said it, but it, it did feel like exactly, if you'd have asked Blackburn the exact situation they wanted, it was to draw town high and then counter on them into space. And like Keo was completely in no man's land. Pippa was, was sort of 15 yards too high and Gallagher just gallops into space. And it's just, it's the simplest goal in the world, isn't it really? Yeah. You know, and they swear ball for Brereton to tap in. And they, they'd had other, they'd had, yeah, as you say, they'd had a couple of chances even before yeah. that, you know, they'd had town had had a couple of let offs, but, and then you, you get that, that goal back just before the break. They didn't deserve it, to be honest. Um, I didn't think they, they'd offered terribly much in attack that they, they sort of, when it, they... it was since that first goal, though, it's worth saying it was the first bit of quality Town had put together in the game, yeah, yeah. and Karoma would like. <laughs> He's a, just a really, really good footballer, isn't he? Yeah, he is. A nice bit of trickery to get into the box. Puts it in towards Lewis O'Brien and Nyambi sort of is trying to get it away from O'Brien and ends up turning it into his own net. And at that point, you're thinking, OK, they've not played well, but it's 2-1. It's to play... Perfect f- time to score. Yeah, it's it's to play for. They can come out in the second half, make a statement. And then within 15 minutes, they're 5-1 down. Um, yeah. Talk us through the third Blackburn goal. Yeah, so... Basically, Town concede the throw. The throw gets taken quickly. Saar gets caught under the ball and then can't... Basically, I mean, I kept thinking he was going to trip him. <laughs> I thought he's going to take one for the team here and, and trip him. Like he did but against he, Preston. Yeah, doesn't get near him. Armstrong's in the space and, and Keo's not getting tight to him at all. And again, he's... The disappointing thing is the simplicity of that goal. They, it doesn't feel like Huddersfield Town made Blackburn work for that goal. It was literally just a quick throw over the top. They've taken two players out and both central defenders are struggling from that point on. And at 3-1, I mean, I, I genuinely, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm even as an analyst, I'm just a bit over-optimistic sometimes. But I genuinely thought Town were going to come out and get something second half. Because I thought, you know when we talked about the like the Forest game, where they it was almost the reverse of so many games Town have played this season, where they started start badly and then well. grew into yep. the game. I thought they were going to do that again, and I thought... What's happened here is Town have done what other teams have done to them loads of time this season, which is get the goal just before half-time that sows the seed of doubt, sows the element of doubt. And I thought they came out and again for a couple of minutes, they looked good, they were positive, they pushed on. But again, Blackburn scored this goal and it's a bad goal to concede. And for, for I mean, for like 10, 15 minutes... Town were just all at sea. I mean, we'll go into the other two goals in a minute, but Blackburn could have had four or five more, Steve. Yeah. They they really were rocking at this point. And I think Jonathan Hogg not having his best game really affected them as well. Because not only did you have the sort of the the slowest centre back pairing, I think Stearman is quicker than Keogh, if I'm honest. <laughs> Um, but I think also they didn't have any protection from Hogg either. He he was struggling because he didn't know whether to go high, you know, pick up Rothwell as a ten, but he was dropping really deep, so Hogg was getting pulled out. But yeah, it was just another really really bad goal. And you think right, okay, well at three one, what you mustn't do at that point is concede another one quickly. If you if you want to get anything out of this game, you've you've got to now just batten down the hatches for five minutes. And they just concede another really, really poor goal where Sars header to Keo. They both get caught over on the right hand side. Keo's ball. I mean, <laughs> one thing I was taught as a defender: don't play it across your goal unless you're absolutely certain. Then you've got Tef- Tuflo who's not on his toes, and Armstrong just wants it more. Just gets there ahead of him. And then we've got to talk about Ryan Schofield again, haven't we? Because yeah. Gallagher's, as, I mean, it's a decent hit. It's not a bad hit, but it's very central. Yeah, it's pretty much at um, him. It's, yeah, he's, he, it, he has to die for it, but it's also one where if he doesn't save it, you're disappointed. And he didn't save it, and you're disappointed. 
And he got hands to it, Steve. Yeah, exactly. You know, he, he got hands to it and it still went in. And that, you see, that is where I, I can't defend him and make no. a case for him. Same. I mean, I like Ryan Schofield and I want Ryan Schofield to kick on. And I do think there's a keeper there. But, you you know, I'm not going to turn around and defend him on that because yeah, that... he can see it coming all the way as well. If you look at that re- replay from behind the goal, he can see it coming. Mm. It's not like he's got three players in his way and sees it late. The the yeah, the crossing thing it's it's obviously an issue. Like and it's they've made it not an issue partly by him sort of being improved and, and finding a bit of determination to, to go like, no, I'm not gonna be intimidated by these these crosses into the box. And also, you know, Town have done a better job at helping him helping him out generally by stopping those balls from going in in the first place. Um but yeah, the one thing we would always say about Ryan Schofield is his shot stopping is excellent. It's up there with with some of the best in the division, um, and uh, you know his his um, he makes more he saves more makes more saves than you would expect him to make when you look at his expected saves you know and the expected goals against him he makes a lot of saves um but yeah that makes it all the more reason why that one was disappointing because it's harder there's a lot of critics there's a lot of people who think he's not ready to play at this level i i still think he's worth giving the time to learn because he is the youngest keeper in the division and i think when you've got a confidence player like that you risk if you send him out, if you say, right, you're going out to League One next year, you risk just making that confidence issue worse. And I think he's still just about worth sticking with. Um, but I think for one thing, you need to have a better number two behind him um, so that if he does have another bad run of form, you can, you can take him out next season. Um, and... Yeah, he. It's as you say. It's 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 hard to defend, to be honest. That one. Yeah, and sometimes that happens. You know, we can't. With as I, as we as I said earlier in the pod, we've got to be analytical, and you can't. No. <laughs> there's no defending that, and it's it's the fifth goal as well. It, like I can't defend Lewis O'Brien on that goal because he watches Joe Rothwell run from just outside uh, Blackburn's own penalty area, watches him run straight by him, never gets in top gear trying to chase him and then actually checks and slows up giving Rothwell when he gets the pass just a load of space to to play across the box to Armstrong and it's like these moments happen in football games but it just feels like town on Saturday just I don't think the team switched off or anything like that but it was it's tough to defend when you're looking at that team and you're thinking well nine players have had a bad game here yeah and nine is a lot (laughs) yeah Nine is a lot. I thought if you were to go through them individually, Karoma had a good game and did everything he could. I think you're right. Iting was was good on the ball, and I I I know this won't be popular, but I also thought Danny Ward did everything he could. At least he yeah. was trying to stretch defenders Blameless. and create space. Yeah. Um, but he just he got again. He got he had, absolutely no service he, whatsoever. He had a couple of really good runs in the first half. One where I think where Iting put it through to him, and he he just took it too far and should have squared it. Yeah. Yeah, into the side, and yeah, there's yeah. another one before that where Hogg played him through and he got uh, Daryl Lennon uh, brought him down just took one for the team uh, about 25 yards from goal otherwise he would have been in and he would have backed him to score from there so yeah, yeah I, I, I would agree but, uh, apart from that I can't I can't really make a case for anybody else no. having a good game no and you can't like you can't you can't win games of football in the championship with three players playing well can you <laughs> oh no, no I've checked and you can't um, yeah, I mean, it's this is the thing, and and this is sort of the the crux of the five conclusions. Was you look at the makeup of that squad, and we've made lots of we've sort of you know we've pointed out the fact that they've had a lot of injury problems um, as mitigation. But as I say, the fact that you had this side out there, and when I looked at the makeup of the squad, um, it's ten players that they signed this season. It's three players they signed last season. It's five academy graduates one of whom is Ryan Schofield, who they actively prefer to Ben Hamer in, in January, and the other of whom is is Lewis O'Brien, who's the, the reigning player of the year. Um, plus, obviously, you've got Rowe and Edmunds Green and Scott High. And then it's just two others then. It's it's Hogg, who got a new contract in February, and Bakuna, who's played more minutes than anyone except Sarah O'Brien this season. So 
So these are the players they want at the club and these are players they believe in. And it's easy to say well it's a bad day at the office they're not going to play like this every week and okay that's fine but someone is responsible for this result and either those players are not good enough in which case the recruitment has gone wrong or they're not being coached well enough or picked properly or the tactics are wrong in which case it's the head coach or it's both and you can't say it's neither at this point because this isn't a one-off town are in their worst run of form of the season at the moment um and when you look at the expected goal difference you know that that forest result i think they deserved it on the day but it is a blip in the middle of an otherwise pretty dreadful run of of results in terms of the chances they've given up the lack of chances they've been able to create um um, you know, there's the seven nil against Norwich, the nil nil against Rotherham, where they were lucky not to lose sort of two or three nil. Um, the Bournemouth game where they that it was the right result in the end, um, where Bournemouth won two one. The Barnsley game where it was one nil and Town were very lucky that it wasn't again. Were very lucky it wasn't three nil because um, Barnsley wasted a couple of, of very good chances late on. And then you've got this Blackburn game where they've lost 5-2. So they are in a pretty abysmal run at the moment. And someone is responsible for that. <laughs> um, you, you, can't, yeah. you, can't say, you can't say that everything is working as it should when results are going like this. And I know that, again, there's maybe an argument that the pressure is just getting to the players because we saw a similar thing last year. And as I pointed out, the, the results over the last nine games have been exactly the same as they were in the final nine games of last season two wins three draws four defeats so you know perhaps the pressure is playing a part but I think we're at a point now where town can't just hope that things are going to get better I I, I feel like I don't know that that game was a, a bit of a turning point for me mentally and my thinking on on what they're doing because I think I was sort of was myself thinking they just need to get to the summer everyone needs some time off refresh get through the summer and and they'll they'll start next season well now i feel like it's at a point where they need to make an intervention of some kind whatever that might be yeah i i tweeted about it yesterday and said i i exactly that basically all the people who say this is definitely carlos's fault and all the people who say it's not carlos's fault it's definitely recruitment i think you have to look at it at this point and you have to say there's issues on both sides and both sides need looking at very carefully and this summer we've talked about this i feel like we've talked about this summer steve since like last october (laughs) (laughs) and how important it is in terms of recruitment and where the squad goes and the thing is we've just had an update from the chairman and he has sort of made his support for corbran absolute and in writing so what you have to say if if that is the case whether you believe that's right or wrong town really need to commit to it and recruit to his model so if they're going to do if they're going to sort of back Corbran over this summer then to be frank they can't if if Junior Bakuna lines up on the left wing for the first game of next season they've not done it (laughs) and I don't think they for a second I don't think Junior Kuna will line up on the left wing in the first game of next season. I don't, but they they you're right, there's questions on both sides and it's a question of, of commitment really that they really have to decide what they want to be over the course of the summer because they can't afford to just atrophy next season and end up finishing somewhere between 18th and 21st again can they because this club needs season ticket sales it it needs to feel like there's a uh, some sort of positivity going forward it needs to feel like there is light at the end of the rainbow if you like and at the moment it's it's very very difficult for a decent percentage of fans to feel like that and I know there are uh, a lot of fans who will get the season ticket regardless and just want to support Huddersfield Town but what we don't want to see Steve is fans fans coming back into the stadium wants to be a joyous celebratory thing because we've been doing games throughout this period and games without fans are pretty miserable aren't they Steve I think we we can confirm Mm. that at this stage what we don't want is like town fans to come in and it to be a toxic environment 
environment because that's not that's not what this club, what this team, what anybody wants or needs. But Town have to over the summer they have to reshape this squad and this first eleven for Corbrand. They have to if they, if they're going to stick with him longer term, they have to say right, what is your ideal model of player for all these positions? Because you're not telling me that Corbrand's ideal central defender is Richard Keogh mm. or Richard Stearman. It might be Romani Edmonds Green, but possibly not right now. Mm. So you you literally have to go through it position by position and make sure the manager has got what he's what he he needs or what he feels he wants but if you do that then it's also absolutely fine to say there's then no hiding place for the manager you know you you have to set targets and you have to say right we've given you everything you want 10 games into this season we need to have a certain number of points and there needs to be a decent amount of positivity and everybody needs to be looking you know looking forward to a game on a Saturday afternoon I think at the moment and the problem is that fans just aren't looking forward to the games and that's not a great position to be in. I think that the club would argue that Corbrand was brought in because they felt he fit their existing model already and that they felt that he was on the same page in terms of the players that needed to be recruited. Um, and I think they still feel that way. But again, that sort of... <laughs> That sort of throws things into question again because it's like, right, well, then what is going wrong here? Now, I th- I suspect, um, and, and let's be honest, I don't think the club are at all happy with how this season have gone. Phil Hodgkinson on the record said he's not happy with how this season has gone. Um, Carlos Gorbran is not happy with how this season has gone. And I think there is a perception with some fans that, that the club... Are, delusion, are deluded into thinking that this has been a decent season for them. I don't think that's the case at all. I think they know how bad this has been. They know how angry the fans are. Um, they are not blind to that rage. And that is, you know, again, the fact that they're aware of it doesn't excuse the fact that it's happened. But I think that is, I think that accusation would be inaccurate. And I think what they would say is that, yes, there were 10 players that they've been able to sign that there were 10 players in that match day squad that they signed this season but at the same time you know one of them was Richard Keogh who was an emergency signing Joel Pereira was is the backup goalkeeper he was an emergency signing in summer because Schofield was injured at the time Sonogo was basically an emergency signing um, because they needed a striker Sorba Thomas was a January signing he was one who was signed for the future he wasn't you know expected to, to necessarily make a contribution straight away because they were talking about sending him out on loan in January and you know they they have been to an extent plugging gaps this season and just trying to get through this season so that they can get to this summer and uh, Alex Pritchard will be off the wage bill because he's earning decent money he's going to be leaving he's you know his the wages he frees up they could sign two players for his money Christopher Schindler in all likelihood will be going and they can sign two or three players for the wages he's on that is I think the the thinking is, and again, Hodgkinson said this back in October. Um, that is the thinking, and they just need to get through it. And there was still that's why they let Ben Hamer go in January to get him off the wage bill, um, because worth remembering, Ryan Schofield had replaced him on form um, after Hamer got injured against Bournemouth and did so well that no one was complaining about Schofield being in the team. They complained when Hamer went, but they weren't complaining at the time about Schofield being in the team. Um, so they do have. And there's going to be other players leaving as well. You know, it's possible Isaac Mbenza or Janine Bakuna or both could leave this summer. Um, so I think the hope is that once those wages are freed up, it allows them to go for players like Elijah Adebayo, who they missed out on in January because they decided they, they couldn't afford him, essentially. And when I say that, I don't mean they're now going to go and sign him from Luton, but I mean players of that profile who they might have missed out on or hadn't been able to consider in January will hopefully now be on the table for them in the summer. Uh, But that leaves them basically no hide. As you say, similar to Corbran, it leaves them no hiding place this summer because they have... They they are struggling with the finances with COVID, but that is true of every club in the division. And, you know, Luton Town have been able to make it work. Barnsley have been able to make it work. 
I know Barnsley have very rich owners, but you know <laughs> there are plenty of other clubs in this division that were down towards the bottom of the table last year who have been able to exploit the upward mobility from the fact that this is quite a poor championship division this year, and Town haven't been able to do that. And if they can't do that after this summer, when those expensive players are off the wage bill, then they 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 literally have no excuses left. And this is what worries me about this performance and about this dip in form is. <sighs> it 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 does shake your faith that that they have everything that everything is as it should be at the club yeah i the thing is i don't i don't think i'm quite there yet i i think that i i look back at the recruitment and i don't think it is as bad as a lot of people have said i i put it put it this way i understand 90% of it yeah. so i i sit there and i think yeah and every football fan in the world would like their club to sign more players me included yeah but the the thing that i think they have to do like without without meaning to repeat myself but they they really do Carlos Corbran came in as a first-time manager, so he he was coming in as a first-time championship manager, I should say. Yeah. He was coming in, and he was desperate to take the job, and everything was quite new, and you're literally getting used to every single aspect of what's going on. Being in charge of first-team training, match days, the media responsibilities, um, being involved in recruitment, etc. He, he will have learned a hell of a lot over this season. And he needs to be involved. He needs to. I know what. I, I think you're exactly right. I think the club did recruit Corbran because I think they fit with the model of where they saw their recruitment going, which is to try and get younger players and develop them and, and bring them on alongside a few more established players. But right now, it feels like the club this summer has got to improve the first eleven, and it's got to improve the squad, mm. and that's that's quite a lot of work. And what I mean by that is that a lot of clubs, if you look, they will have a fairly set first eleven that they will only recruit for if they lose someone out of there, and then every summer it's just a case of refreshing the squad and just bringing a couple of people in to push push players, and if they get into the first team and stay there, then it's it's worked out brilliantly. Whereas Town at the moment, it feels like they need some they need something for the first team definitely creatively I think I'd be working really really hard to try and get Carol Iting for another season um, but they also need some squad bodies they, they, they can't I don't want to pick on him <laughs> I don't want to pick on him because I actually think he's done pretty well since he's come in but like Richard Keogh can't be starting games for the club next season he, he, he can't it's not that he's a particularly bad player but he's just he's not the model of the player that Corbin will want in that position so mm. it feels I think this is why we are both not I mean we wouldn't I don't think me and you would ever sit here and call for a manager to be sacked anyway because I think we'd look a bit beyond that but we're not we're not sort of sitting here saying Corbin has to go or anything like that what we're saying is there has to be change in attitudes and uh, where the club goes from here that's that's the thing and I think some people uh, you know I don't, I don't want to sound patronise or anything like that but I think some people confuse that slightly with oh you're saying the manager definitely has to go and it's like no I, I don't think that's the case I think there is a world where Carlos Corbran can be a really successful Huddersfield town manager but after a season like this the, the, there needs to be a sort of review of all the positions that have ended up with Huddersfield Town finishing likely in 20th position, probably having conceded 70 goals or there or thereabouts. That You can't do that next season. You, you can't. And I mean, you're right, it's it's not been a great championship, has it? No, it's not. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think there are questions to be asked about Carlos Gorbrand. I think he has made some some peculiar um decisions um with his with his selections at times and his tactics and I think that that they should still be getting more out of this side than than we're getting on a consistent basis at the moment. Yeah. You know, he's fundamentally he's had a few good months and he's had he's had as many bad games as he has had good games and the good games have been extremely few and far between over the last four months um and i think they you know they do have 
a decision to make there you know that that's that's the honest truth of it is is he the right person for this project and i think my understanding is they still believe he is you know they as you say they said as much in that the statement from the chairman just sort of 10 days or so ago but then as you say the question then is what are they going to change around that because something isn't working <laughs> yeah i think you can ask that very question though of everybody who's been involved yeah, and, exactly. I, and i think it is I think it is I mean I don't I don't want to say the word dramatic but it is it is that dramatic and I don't think like I think it's it's you you can't just go and replace every single person <laughs> like you can't just go right okay Josh Marsh and the recruitment team they've got to go Lee Bromby's got to go manager and his coaching staff have got to go because you can't keep doing you can't just sort of wholesale change direction all the time yeah. and I think when you go back to where town were before Christmas when times were good I have my reservations because the underlying numbers were showing that they weren't addressing the longer term problems but you could also see where the vision was so you yeah. you could see the direction that everybody wanted to go they've got to look back and they've got to they've got to recapture that they've got to start next season with that feeling again so the first five i think the first five games of next season are really really important steve because they have to come out of those five games with everybody feeling fairly positive and like everybody can see the vision again because at the moment yeah. you can't really even see the vision because yeah town pass more and they try to play it out from the back but at, at the moment that's just landing them in trouble and you would argue that that when push came to shove they slightly abandoned that for the more pragmatic version of of playing that way to just mm-hmm. grind out some points to get to get them safe so they need to get back into the world where it feels exciting and it feels positive because i i think huddersfield town fans are very realistic i don't think anybody is sitting there in a huddersfield town shirt thinking we should be pushing for automatic promotion next season but what what you want to feel is positive you want to think well okay things are broadly going in the right direction and i think one of the big issues is that however we try to defend it um you can't really say that at the moment but i think it's also important yeah i think it's also important for fans to know though that Nobody in the club is kidding themselves that everything is brilliant and everything is fine. You know the the club are <laughs> the club are big boys. <laughs> they know what's they know what the perception is, but they they know they have to ask questions of certain areas. And to be perfectly frank, they just want this season to end <laughs> so they can get on with with what they need to do this summer. Um, and I think there's a few who feel like that. If I'm brutally honest with you, yeah. And I think that the the club knew that. There was a chance that they ended up treading water this year because they, by their own admission, have not been able to invest in the squad the way they want to because of the way the wage bill is, because Phil's not, by again, by his own admission, Phil Hodgkinson's not been able to put the money into the club that he had intended to. The fans haven't been back in the grounds all season, so they've had, you know, they've lost that revenue. Those things are all understandable and is going to feel like it's at odds with the fans but I think that they were I think they were realistic about that at the start of the season and then allowed themselves to probably feel a little bit over optimistic in January when they made decisions like letting Ben Hamer go or you know making decisions not to sign a striker in January and to leave it until February I think they were I think they they probably overplayed their hand in that regard because of how they, they probably thought they'd made more progress than they actually had in the first half of the season. Um, and I think that was sort of their their fundamental error this this year. You know, they they weren't alert to that. They can't afford to to make that mistake again. And I think that it's it's almost impossible for them to go into the the summer feeling complacent now. Um, but as yeah. as you say, the thing they need to do if if they aren't gonna if they are still sure that they they have the right team behind the scenes and you know they still think their coach is exceptional and they still think they've got the right recruitment model if they're still sure about all of those things one is they need to accept that the fans aren't on board with that at all um, and they're not they're not going to be over the summer and they're going to have to cop a load of flack over the summer the other thing is that that is going to that is because and because that is going to look like inaction on their part that that yeah if they do what you said and they try and recapture that 
spark and recapture that sort of focus on what they want the club to be um, over the summer and try and get back to, to doing what they have been doing but doing it better that is going to look like inaction um, even if the, everyone is sort of working incredibly hard behind the scenes um, and yeah I think I would say for all we've had a lot of criticisms and this isn't worth much until it unless it turns into results but I don't think there's anyone at the club who whose heart isn't in the right place or who doesn't want the best for the club I don't think it's you know it's not not for a second and and to be fair I don't think the fans are are, I think there's a few fans who think that there is that level of complacency I really don't think there is but it it makes the same difference in the end unfortunately for, for for those people who are in those jobs and I wouldn't want to be doing those jobs um but it unfortunately for them the fans aren't really going to care about the motivations if the results aren't there yeah yeah (laughs) it's a tricky time isn't it i mean there's no (laughs) there's no running away from it it's the the, i will i'm not gonna mount any defense or anything like that but i am gonna sort of say two things steve the first is that i think there's a lot to be said this season for town just staying in the championship because i think if if they dropped into League One or if relegation was a very real possibility, which it's not at this point, it's not it's not going to happen. No, they, they, um, they would. It's still possible, but what was it? Uh, Rotherham need to get at least eight points, and Derby need to get at least four, and yeah. and that's assuming Town don't or that's assuming Town don't win either of their remaining games as well. So I think it's unlikely. yeah, it's it, it's not going to happen. But I think if they dropped into into League One, they would have been in. You know, that's a whole different world of trouble, and they 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 really would have to sort of. It would be root and branch review, wouldn't it, Steve, of of every aspect of the football club because that would be pretty pretty doomsday scenario. And the reason I'm saying that is because of COVID and various other things. That my second point is that town have been frugal and that's not sexy and it's not exciting, but they've stayed in the championship and there are quite a few clubs who haven't been frugal who are still in the mm-hmm. championship and who are carrying some absolutely obscene debts. If anybody wants to see anything that would frighten the life out of me, go and have a look at Reading's account. Um, <laughs> I... <sighs> It's very, very difficult because it's not exciting and I've said it I've said this exact thing on this podcast before that good football governance isn't sexy. But town have had to be frugal this season. They have to be a bit more expansive over the summer. We know that, we've talked about it, you put it very eloquently, the problems with the wage bill and freeing up some money and there needs to be some investment, but it, there is a world where, and I know this is frustrating for some people listening, but there there is a world where this season was the right season to to be frugal and to keep their powder yeah, dry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll see. You know, we'll we'll see. No, no one can judge that. Not not me. Not anyone right now. But we'll see what we're talking about this time next year on this podcast. Yeah. Well, this is the thing: is if Town had been, we were expecting a relegation battle this year. If Town had been in twentieth all season, like they were last year, I think we would have expected that. I think where where a lot of the and people would still be angry about it, but I think it would be easier for the club to say, "Well, look, we knew this was a possibility. You know, it is what it is. We're we're keeping, as you say, keeping our powder dry for next year." I think where people sort of have a right to be upset is that they had that positive start to the season and then yeah and then they've been it's the hope that kills you well and and the not just that but also the fact that they've been so bad that despite having that good first yeah. half of the season they've still ended up back in this this relegation fight and are still not mathematically safe with two games to go and you know still it's not it's not it's it's, well, un- they, uh... it's unlikely they're going to go down but it's still ruined the realms of possibility they go into the final day hoping for for results but this this is the thing we what we want to measure progress and we want to be positive but they're coming into the second to last game of the season needing to get something yeah. from it to be mathematically sure of avoiding relegation now it's not as tight as it was last year and i think it's been done for a while but on paper that's the situation mm-hmm. so you can't like neither of us can sit here and say well there has been huge progress and huge strides made the difference is i I don't think it's gone backwards as fast as as some do, 
But yeah, it's the hope that kills you this season. When you saw that positivity before Christmas and those those two runs really of games where Town were were deservedly getting something from from games home and away, like I mean New Year's Eve just killed them. Must have been a hell of a party. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just I think that sort of makes it feel like they're on a downward trajectory, and. Yeah, I think sort of the hope was... Well, it, it literally does, because the yeah. graph of this season yeah, is yeah. up to a peak and then nothing but downwards yeah. from there. So, it, yeah. yeah, and they, and I think the hope was, well, they've had a lot of injuries when they get all the first-team players back, they're going to be better. So that's why Saturday was so disappointing for me, because they had all those first-team players back and they were still as bad as they have been. Um, but it is what it is, and they, they've got they've got a lot of decisions to make they you know they do have all these questions to answer and it may be that they come up with an answer that the fans don't like uh unfortunately um and that is going to take a lot of courage because it would almost be easier at this point for from a pr perspective to to make those changes and go right you know bromby's gone josh marsh has gone corbrand's gone new new start um and I think it is going to take a bit of conviction for them if they are going to stick with, with what they've got. That's going to take a huge amount of, of guts and resolve for them to do that. And the fans are going to have to stomach it um, for the yeah, time being. I don't, the one thing, I, I, I don't think there is a shortage of guts and resolve. I think Phil and Lee are the one thing they are, are pretty pretty strong on is they are very personality-led and they if they believe in this project and they believe it's the right thing to do, they will fight tooth and nail for it. And yeah. I think I think I'd rather have that personality type, if I'm brutally honest, than one who would just go, Well, this is not working, so I'm gonna press the implode button again mm-hmm. and change everything again. Because uh, that's as counterproductive if I'm brutally honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so yeah, this has been a fun podcast. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for joining us, everyone. <laughs> David Hartrick, your book is out today. It is out today. Silver Linings, Bobby Robson's England. It is a little bit more cheerful than this podcast has been, <laughs> although in places it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Right. Thanks for joining us as usual, Dave. Um, and we will see you next time. We've got a big game at the weekend, home to Coventry. Um, what are your expectations for that? Um, I I think Town will... It, commentary are just going to come and sit in because they are safe now, but that is what they do. <laughs> That's what they're about, mm. is basically just trying to... Co- commentary set out not to lose games rather than to win them. <laughs> yeah, They pick and choose their moments. So it's going to be a little bit of a war of attrition. And to be honest with you, I, I think Town could do a lot worse than just, just go for it. <laughs> Just go for it, because I don't think Coventry are great by any stretch. I quite like them, actually. I think they're you know, re- really well organised, and I think it's a good club when you look at what they've coped with. But they they should be on very much on wind-down territory mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point. Wow. So just go for them. So should Blackburn <laughs> Just go for them. Magic. <laughs> yeah, but I think Blackburn's front three are not yeah, Coventry's yeah. front three, it's mate. It's true. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, true. They're extremely hard-working, Coventry, but they're very limited. Mm. They remind me a lot of, of Luton Town last season, Coventry, um, mm. in that regard. Yeah. Anyway, Magic. Cheers for joining us. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. See you there.